The strategies and concepts discussed are for educational purposes only and do not represent specific investment tax or state planning advice. Investing carries an inherent element of risk and is possible to lose principal and interest when investing in securities. No strategy can guarantee a profit or prevent a loss. The views expressed represent the personal opinions of the presenter or featured guests, not necessarily those of USA Financial or its affiliated subsidiaries. Any opinions or forecasting statements are subject to change at any time and without notice. John Cindia is an investment advisor representative of and advisory services are offered through USA Financial Securities Corporation, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. LifeStages Advisory is not affiliated with USA Financial Securities. LifeStages Advisory, Dean or Remington, or any guest we have are not affiliated with USA Financial Securities. Welcome to episode 69 of WTF, Wealth Tax and Finances. I'm your host, John Cindia, certified public accountant and personal financial specialist. I have Dean and Remington in again today. Hello. Hi, guys. How you doing, John? Hey. Hey. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the market and natural resources. Uh, From natural resources, what I'm talking about, we mentioned briefly in the last episode about um, some of the markets and stuff. Uh, when we talk about precious metals, one of them is uh, is copper used in all kind of electricity. And with all the electric cars coming on board and uh, the semiconductors that we discussed before, um, copper is going to be a major player. Um, it's been up quite a bit already this year. And I think going forward, uh, we need to look at it because it, it's also uh, a component in um, uh, the uh, solar uh, play also. And it's it's the major conductor of electricity that we've been using and from the cheap standpoint, but it's getting more expensive. So there's uh, ways to play it with the ETFs uh, straight with uh, copper or the copper miners, whatever from that standpoint. But um, when you look at the... Uh, cars i was looking at the electric cars have something there's several miles do you guys know what that was i was astonished from that several miles of copper in each electric car yeah it's it's crazy um because those conductors are probably very very skinny lines of copper that just go back and forth Mm. oh yeah, real it quick, was crazy. You'd mentioned the solar stuff. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that's leading to just the jack up in prices is that for some reason, and I know this has been a thing for a while, but like solar panel roofing, mm-hmm. like entire roofing is becoming more and more of like a bigger thing. Like mm-hmm. not everyone obviously has it because it's still kind of expensive, but I've been seeing that pop up like crazy. That the actual shingles are yeah. the solar panel yeah i guess it's yeah it's a huge amount that goes into it but it's becoming more and more i guess mainstream mm-hmm. but i would think it'd probably be more in the southern states oh yeah florida sure. the carolinas things like that texas california uh we probably won't see it in ohio no, probably not. <laughs> it's hard to, i mean i've seen anything. it around here people with solar panels oh solar panels but not the solar shingles oh yeah, type no. of yeah like their entire roof is just a big sheet of solar panels yeah yeah, if we've got it on the southern um, facing of your house and stuff and it's not surrounded by trees or whatever, yeah. Um, we used to go to Canada. I, I saw probably more solar panels in Canada than I did down here 
in this, like in Ohio and stuff. Okay, when we were going through there, which I thought was pretty interesting because, you know, you think it's colder or whatever, but I think when you get farther up into Canada, even though they have lakes, they don't have like Lake Erie that's going to be cloudy and giving us here in Northeast Ohio a lot of overcast days. There was a lot more sunny days up there, even with the small lakes and stuff that we didn't have that. So I think they've got more sun capacity that's not going to be obstructed. That's strange. It was was interesting um, from that standpoint. But um, copper was one of the things I wanted to talk about on the precious metals. The other ones was um, we'd spoken before about gold and silver. And I learned, I was reading something, an article a couple weeks ago about the season now. Uh, During the summer, there's a lot of uh, weddings and stuff in China and India. China's got about a billion and a half people. India's got about 1.4 billion. So you got just shy of 3 billion people. And out of that, there's going to be several weddings. Um, A lot of uh, families are having kids. So they have, in in China, um, they give uh, the couple that's getting married um, a lot of gold. And it's in jewelry, but it's not the type of jewelry that you can wear. It's not light type of jewelry. It's big blocky stuff that's some of it's come through the generations of the families um but a lot of it is being bought and given to them almost as like a starting dowry or something for them of value that they're supposed to keep so if we start looking at it from a standpoint of not necessarily consumption that's being done for just regular um retail jewelry but something that's done um, on a larger scale um, during the summer months here with billions of people looking to, you know, getting married and things like that, um, the increase is going to be substantial, I think, on that. And the fact that uh, when you're looking at the gold to buy as an inflation hedge, we've talked about it in the last episode about inflation, um, that's really the only other place you can go. Crypto is not going to be, or it hasn't proven itself to be an inflation hedge as of this point. Uh, you can't buy and wear crypto yet. What's that? You can't buy and wear crypto yet for your no. wedding. Well, you probably could, but I don't know what that would look like. I don't want to have a blockchain around my neck. It sounds, <laughs> yeah. sounds, sounds like you'll be locked oppressive. in. Oppressive, yes, whatever. But I think when you start looking at it, uh, it's a different consumption of gold, uh, which is primary between uh, India and China. Um, And India has a lot of silver usage that they use too. But for the two of them, it's probably uh, primarily more of a gold aspect and it's cultural. So when you incorporate the cultural aspect into what we have in the United States from the standpoint of an inflation hedge, uh, as other countries around the world have also done, I think then you have a substantial and a, a very good argument to uh, start getting a position on gold, uh, primarily uh, silver, uh, because it's more of an industrial use on that capacity. And uh, I I think silver is going to be something there too, uh, from the gold standpoint. Um, Also, we were looking at uh, some of the stuff as far as lumber. I've got several contractors as clients, and one of them in particular was saying that last year, he was buying four by eight sheets of plywood for about $13 a sheet. And a couple months ago, he told me it was like $56, $58 a sheet. So uh, 
that's just because there again, when we were talking about shortages, um, part of it is shortages in the manufacturing because of the COVID restrictions that came in and, and stopped uh, businesses from uh, doing their, um, you know, doing their production levels, laying off people, no one producing anything. So that has led to an increase of uh, limited supply and an overabundance of money that was given, uh, you know, out from the government, the PPP loans, the uh, uh, EIDL loans, uh, and everything. So uh, when you start looking at all of that money that's out there, uh, you got all this money chasing too few goods. Uh, that's definitely going to contribute to the. Uh, hopefully, it's a short-term situation, but it's going to take several months, uh, if not the balance of this year uh, into next year to uh, start making up to where you've got uh, the ability to uh, handle the capacity, let alone try and build up some type of an inventory from that standpoint. And um, now you see different um, numbers on the housing market. Uh, housing is still down from what it was back in uh, 05, 07, uh, in that period. I think at one time we had about 2.5 million House, uh, housing starts. Right now, last I saw was about 1.2 is where we're at. So we're still down from that. But now you can't, uh, it, it started to slow down. And I think it's not because of demand as much as it is uh, because of lack of material. Um, some of the contractors are having to wait two, three, four months to get supplies, roofing materials, lumber, uh, plumbing supplies, uh, John, I watched that. a couple episodes of Extreme Home Makeover with my mm -hmm. grandmother last week. Okay. <laughs> they built houses in seven days. <laughs> I know. How did they do that? What did they do? I wonder <laughs> if there's going to be a rise to that whole 3D printing of houses that we've seen in the past where it's like, it's not like they're printing plastic. They've got like a right. certain type of material built like the blocks of it. I saw they built like an entire, they they built like a, a house in like two, three days, something like that, where they just print the, the whole thing. It's one of those huge things. It's probably mm -hmm. really expensive right now, but. They have to still get the material. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cheaper than yeah. waiting for lumber to go down though. I, mean, oh, I wonder yeah. if that'll, they'll try and find some work around to that or they're just gonna wait it out. Well, that'll be like back in like the 40s, 50s, 60s, when you could buy uh, houses in a catalog. You just <laughs> buy the whole house. Oh yeah. yeah. There was one, went through one about five, six years ago. It was uh, eh, probably a half a mile from my house. And- uh, Oh yeah, they're printing it with clay right now. Oh, Sorry. with, with so, clay? Yeah, and they're building big houses with them too. I mean, they're nothing like crazy, crazy big, Adobe huts. That's where we go kinda. back into the- I mean, I'd live in one of those, but sorry. Look, look a little crazy. <laughs> um, a buddy of mine told me about a house that was for sale, and it was in, I think it was one of those, it was in a Sears catalog or something. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the name of it. It was uh, like a, you know, an Evalon or what, some goofy type of name that it had to it. And it was all metal, and the walls were metal. The, uh, the outside was metal. You just get into it, uh, all the cabinets, everything was metal. It was just weird when you went into it and everything. Can't think of the name of it. Anyway, well, somebody built a house out of Legos, and that might be cheaper than waiting for lumber to go down too. So oh, I might do that. <laughs> What's the safety behind something like that? What the metal house? 
just anything in general. I mean, yeah. the Lego house, the 3D printed house. You get a bad storm. A metal, like a, through and your I house feel like a metal away. house is also not very you, safe. Well, you're going to have to have the insurance company go through it to see if they even want to. The house is just a giant lightning If house. they're going to turn around <laughs> yeah. and um, you know, even want to insure you on that. Is it like drywalled on the inside? What's that now? The metal house? Yeah. From what I recall, um, they had some type of insulation in it. But it was just it was just weird. I mean, you could uh, you didn't put nails into it, right? You'd have magnets, so you want to put something up. You had magnets on it and huh. stuff, you know. And it was just uh, I oh I can't think of the name of it. Um, but anyway, research. it was yeah, it was a um, it was just a prefab house, and they bought it out of there. It was like five or eight thousand, ten thousand dollars, you know, depending on you, we wanted to. One, two, three bedroom home. I think they were mostly ranches. I don't think they were two story. I could be wrong on that, but it was just totally, totally uh, bizarre. And yeah, people. It was up for sale. Containers and, too. Yeah, uh, people were up. You know, it was up for sale, and uh, somebody did buy it, but it, there was a lot of restrictions on it that um, a lot of lenders wouldn't lend on the thing, just because it was because of the age of it and everything else. Um, there was a lot of things that needed to be, you know, repaired and updated on it. And I don't know how get you get it up to up. code and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just weird, but, um, you know, you have to really, uh, think about what the, uh, you know, going forward, what's going to happen with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these developments. Uh, there's so much building going on even around here that, um, when we were down in Florida, we talked about, uh, in Clearwater, uh, oh, it was probably 15, maybe 18 years ago. There was this uh, one huge hotel that was at the end, south end of the beach. And where that is now, um, there's a brand new one. They tore that one down. There's a new hotel. But when that hotel was, before it was uh, knocked down, all it was was rocks. And then you would go over the Sand Key Bridge. Um, maybe, I don't know, four, five, six hundred yards down from that. Now... This new hotel is where the old one was at, but there's four or five more hotels, a JW Marriott's going in at the very end of this, and there's a plaza in between that where all these rocks, I don't know what they did. They built something else, but they're going straight up in the air with all this stuff, and there's no room to put anything. So in order to put anything else on, you got to buy something, tear it down, and put something else up. Yeah, I think you're going to see that a lot just in the normal suburban market too because people are not going to want these 70, 80, 100-year-old homes Mm-mm. when they can buy that for a decent price and oh, build yeah. what they want. And we had um, we had one of the banks um, that uh, merged with some other ones, and they had had a branch bank just down from our house. And um, I don't think it was eight, ten years old, they tore it down and built up one of the dollar-type stores that, you know, go to oh, yeah. discount stores. So they tore the whole bank building down, and then they, I'm sure they sold it to them, obviously, but they tore that down and then built a one of these little dollar-type stores in there. So Strange. Yeah. It's so, strange. But um, when we're talking about some of the other, you know, natural resources and stuff, um, I, I think there's... Uh, a portion in a portfolio for that. There again, if you're looking at precious metals, I try to keep it three to five percent. 
natural resources could be anywhere from maybe one to three, four percent. So if you're looking at uh, any direct plays with uh, uh, lumber or anything or oil and gas, uh, oil and gas, I don't look at it from a, a natural uh, or natural resources play. I look at it more from are you dealing with uh, some type of uh, a gasoline like a refinery company? You're looking at a huge oil companies. Um, that, um, you know, provide not only the drilling and the refining um, and the distribution, uh, but, you know, do they have uh, the actual, on the distribution side would be the actual filling stations and, and everything from that. But you really only have about, I don't know, a handful of uh, huge players in that. But then they, you see all these other uh, tanker trucks going around. Well, they're all, you know, private labeled and everything else. So, you don't really have 50 different gasoline companies. You've yeah, got like a handful. Five. Yeah. You got a handful and, <laughs> and they the all other go, ones they all go under the same gas, yeah. Yeah, they all go under one blanket name. Yeah, but yeah. somebody says, "Oh, well, I like the gas over here, man." You know. It's the same, it's gas the same as one, the other one. one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just put a different octane level and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. else they is in there. Put a different color on your truck and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, different you've decal. You've been fooled. Different decal <laughs> and you've got something else there. Um, anything else that you guys are thinking about on the, uh, gold and silver or copper or anything, uh, natural resource lumber or anything? No, I think that's pretty interesting from the, uh, the wedding standpoint, how Mm -hmm. that can even affect the gold and silver, rather it's availability or the market price or whatever, just by, you know, people getting married. Yeah. Cause over here, you know, you buy, you know, nice jewelry or something, you go to a jewelry store and yeah, retail sales and you've got a lot of these other discount jewelers and stuff and you know they're going to use gold to a certain point but they're not using pure gold but when you're looking at the uh um the uh uh, chine uh, the chinese and the uh uh, indian uh cultures and stuff um they're looking at pure gold and they're looking at chunks of it and they're looking at at pictures of it 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 is like almost head to toe gold yeah it's ridiculous so when they when they buy that um you know they're not using that like mr t would you know is uh, <laughs> mr <laughs> t fool. probably still living off of his <laughs> i don't know but um when you end up having that as like i say it's sort of a, a starting off point for that couple and that they're supposed to maintain that i'm sure they're using some of that for financing or collateral mm-hmm. um you know that they have and uh, the families give that to them from that standpoint but then when you look at it, it's just different from a cultural aspect as opposed to an industrial or retail situation that we look at over here. Oh, yeah. Another thing that's weird that we were just talking about, like natural resources and stuff like that. I looked up helium just because I was curious mm-hmm. with everything that happened with COVID, all the stay at home mandates, the helium shortage temporarily has stopped because you didn't have people throwing crazy parties or going to crazy events that had all the party balloons and all that which is weird to think because it was expensive back in the day but now it's kind of fizzled out it's not as expensive we don't have this shortage because we got too much helium because nobody threw a party yeah i wonder if once everything opens back up if that's gonna i'm throwing a party do you throw a crazy helium party i'm buying a whole helium tanker i just wonder if how long that's gonna last once everything opens back up well, and see, that's the other thing is, you know, when you have the opportunity to really look and dig into different types of the uh, stock market, what are the opportunities that COVID give you? What did they take away and had shortages of? 
And then what did they give us from the standpoint of oversupply because we oh, yeah. didn't use? And, um, you know, there again, uh, we're going to have a disconnect in the markets. And it's interesting. That would be one of them to look at and oh, say, yeah. okay, is there a play on that one? Um, you know, so you start looking at these, and these are these value-type situations. When you come in that something has a high intrinsic value or it's worth a lot, but for some reason, uh, whether it's uh, the economy, whether it is the industry or the sector, and there's a huge difference between what the actual value is and the actual price to pay for that, whether it's higher or lower. So is it if it's higher, can you short that? Or if it's lower, can you play it, you know, get a long play into that and, and to buy that up? So, diff, you know, we're looking at different things here to make you start thinking a little bit on your own as opposed to just listening to the uh, talking heads on, you know, the TV stations or over the Internet or whatever and trying to be a little bit more rational about what you're looking at and have a, an actual direction or a, a reason that you're in the market, a reason you're out of the market, or a reason to play it. And then once you do, you know, like Dean had mentioned a couple of times, um, probably because I drilled it into his head, <laughs> an exit strategy. You know, when do you get in, when do you get out? Um, you know, you can have something that's targeted, uh, as long as it goes up 10%, I'm out. 25%, 50%. The one guy that you had talked about was a couple hundred dollars stock. He wanted it, as soon as it went to 10,000 a share, he's gonna get rid of it. Yeah, when it gets Probably up there, not a very ready. logical, Exit no. strategy. <laughs> no. From that standpoint. You got in, how are you getting out? Yeah. And you got in because everybody else got in. FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't have yeah. any reason that he wanted it. Probably never heard of it just because somebody else said so. But uh anyway. Uh that'll wrap it up for this week. Uh you can reach us on uh YouTube. Uh like us, love us. Um where can they email, John? They can email me at jcindia at lifestagesadvisory.com or our website, lifestagesadvisory.com. And um, if you have any uh, suggestions, topics, anything you want to hear, don't be afraid to uh, shoot us an email. Let me know, and uh, we'll put that on the agenda for upcoming episodes. And uh, thanks again. See you next time.